Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for your trip away. And I do mean everything. They've got totes, they've got duffel bags, they've got backpacks, they've got suitcases, garment sleeves, wallets, and so much more. But my favorite thing about Away is their attention to detail and their creativity and design. Every bag they make is designed to seamlessly attach to every suitcase, and their accessories are very cool. From their packing cubes that expand to give you a more organized packing experience, to their travel wellness kit that includes a mask with filters, hand sanitizer, wet wipes, and soap, Away has it all. And all their products come with a 100-day trial, so test it out. If Away is good enough for Serena Williams, it's certainly good enough for me and you. I am teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash away. Away travel, here to make your journey seamless. Let's start the show. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, March 21st, and the time has come. Um, Starting today, the Back in the Day Tournament Volume 2 is here. It begins. Um, I'll be talking a little bit more about that in the Dig Deeper segment, but first, let me introduce my co-host for the next uh, six or seven weeks, and that is my wife, Karen. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been so long, two weeks, you know. I know, the people missed me. They did, they did. My my DMs were full of people like, yo, get your wife back on the show. Karen, Karen, come back to us, Karen. Here I am. <laughs> yes. So you can, you can, you can shut up now. <laughs> She's here. All right. Um, 
So Karen will be joining me for the next six or seven weeks because she is co-hosting the Back in the Day Tournament Volume 2 with me. We will uh, determine the best R&B album of the past decade, 2010 to 2019. Um, So we're very excited about that. Um, In the Dig Deeper segment, I'll tell you more about it. Um, Just some things to get out of the way. Um, I know you heard that that young ad placement in the beginning of the episode. So shout out to your boy, season three. I already told you we got big things popping. Um, so get, go get you some suitcases. Like, you know, I know travel is, you know, a little dicey right now, but be prepared. Get you one or two suitcases for when you can travel. You know what I'm saying? Like, get you four suitcases. Like, you can never have enough suitcases, right? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. There you go. So do that. Um, also... Um, a little house cleaning. Um, I, you may notice in the feed for the podcast that, um, some episodes might be missing from the feed. That is because I went through, I scrubbed all the episodes that featured copyrighted music. Your boy was wilding for like the first, like, (laughs) really like the first, like four years of the podcast. I was just playing copyrighted music all willy nilly, but that's over with. That's over and done with. I'm not trying to get, you know, DMCA striked and all of that. So all of that's done. Um, The episodes that were taken off that had the music, they will be coming back to the feed at some point. I just need to find a good way um, to deliver just the content without the music. And there was just so much that that's that's a long term project. But um, all the episodes that are on the feed now, I mean, it's still a, a large amount, you know, this is episode 177, so there's still lots of content left on the feed. Um, but those are all music free, you know, we're all good. Um, the remaining ones, you know, they'll be back on at a later date. I'll let you know. Um, so this episode, I'm going to give you a song of the week. Um, the press play segment, I'm not going to get into on the podcast cause I want to jump right into the tournament, but the podcast newsletter will have all of the links from this week. Um, go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Go to the newsletter tab to see this week's podcast newsletter. Or if you really want to be a real MVP, put your email in on the homepage of thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com um, and you'll receive a podcast newsletter in your inbox. You'll be signed up for the mailing list. It'll be a dope adventure that you will take with me. Um, so do that. Um, and so everything... That's normally in the press play segment links to different music videos and songs um, and stuff like that will be in the newsletter. You'll just get it in your inbox or you have to go to the website um, because I want to jump into the tournament. So um, without any further ado, let's jump into the song of the week. The song of the week for this week is a song called Take the Pain. Take the Pain is a new single by V-Wave. V-Wave is an artist out of Montreal. Um, the song is produced by Larry Beats. Some of you may recognize Larry Beats' name because he produced a couple songs on Shy Glizzy's Young Hefe 3 project. Um, Take the Pain is a song about coping with pain by focusing on your goals and working hard. Um, I'm really digging this song because the guitar-driven melody is catchy and V-Wave's laid-back delivery and his flow works really well over the instrumentation. Uh, He's a young artist with a lot more on the way, so I'm excited to see what else he can do. Um, The link to his new single is in the description. It's in the podcast newsletter. Um, So go check out V-Wave's new song, Take the Pain. And V-Wave was kind enough to allow me to play um, 
uh, a portion of the song. I don't want to give it all away. You know, I'm going to play a little bit of it. And then you got to go check out his new single. Click the links um, to hear the rest for yourself. So the song of the week for this week is Take the Pain by V-Wave. Pressure. It ain't about the money, it's about doing better We gon' eat good, we gon' fuck good You dream awake, feel the day We gon' feel good, we gon' love Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox Without any further ado, let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment time karen is here i am here we're ready to put in work the back in the day tournament volume two starts now if you recall about a year ago i started the back in the day tournament volume one although it wasn't called that at the time um to determine the best hip-hop album of the past decade the winner was to pimp a butterfly by kendrick lamar and now Starting now uh, for the next six weeks, we will determine which album will join Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly in the Back in the Day Tournament Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, we started with about 110 albums um, and 40 have the opportunity to become the winner of this tournament. The way the albums were chosen... Um, one division features only Grammy winners uh, of either best R&B album or best, uh, it used to be called urban contemporary R&B album. Now it's called best progressive R&B album. But one is like more of a traditional R&B sound and the other is like more contemporary influenced by hip hop and other genres. Um, so both of those winners of both of those categories were considered for the Grammy winners division. Um Karen and I consulted to decide what were the best 10 that should populate that division. Um, Then there was the Grammy nominees. So, you know, the ones that didn't, the winners that didn't make it into that division, plus all of the other ones that were nominated for both of those uh, Grammy categories, we consulted to decide which 10 of those would make the nominees category or division. And then every other album that was under consideration, so about like 90 other albums, we listed them and then we had a draft um, where I chose an album, Karen chose an album, back and forth until we populated 
um, the full bracket. So let's talk about the bracket. And I want to ask you this first, Karen. Looking at the tournament bracket, are there any albums that you think it's a lock? Like, do you think that this this bracket is is being is set up for one album to really take home all the gold? Are there any that you think could could cause you know that album some trouble? Like, are there any that stand out to you as like I would expect this album to win? Um, I feel like it. You know, I'm a Beyonce fan, and it, it might be hard for anything else in the same division as Lemonade to win. Yeah, Lemonade is probably my pick for, wow, that album is likely going to win. And it was similar in the hip-hop tournament. I looked at The Pimp a Butterfly and I said, I feel like that's that's the answer, but you never know what might happen. And I, I feel like Lemonade is in that slot here, but Lemonade, um, cons- you know, assuming that it wins its first round uh, matchup, uh, could face up face off against Channel Orange by Frank Ocean mm-hmm. in the second round, and that's that's an incredible matchup. That's a tough one. Um, I yeah. think I think Channel Orange has has a chance to to take this as well. Um, I think there are some some sleepers. All around, I think Solange's uh, a seat at the table is a strong contender um, on the other side of the bracket. Um, yeah. I guess I want to say overall, I think we've picked a really strong slate of contenders here. Like, I don't think there's anything here that doesn't stand a chance. I think all of these will be, like, pretty active conversations about which one is better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's um let's jump into the playing game. So how this works, everyone, um, and if you're listening to this, um, you should be able to access the bracket on my Instagram. I've posted um, the tournament bracket and the matchups um, on the podcast newsletter. There's a copy of the bracket, so you should be able to follow along if you're listening to this. Um, today we are just doing the playing game. So you know it's March. March Madness is currently happening uh, with college basketball, and this tournament is you know set up very similarly to kind of emulate that tournament. And so there are play-in matchups. These are the albums that, you know, didn't, you know, have the the higher scores to just make it into the tournament outright, but there's still a chance for them to get in. They have to win one game, one matchup um, to make it into the tournament to then have the opportunity to advance further and further. So we have four divisions, um, two conferences, The first conference is the Critics' Choice Conference. It is named that because the rankings of this conference were decided by Metacritic scores by actual music critics. So once we had the 20 albums that were going to populate this conference, I ranked them by that Metacritic uh, critic score, and that's how the rankings um, were made. The Critics' Choice Conference is separated into the Boys to Men division, and the Lettucey Division. Um, it's called the Boys to Men Division because this is the Grammy winners. Uh, Boys to Men won the first ever Grammy for Best R&B Album in 1995 for their album Two. Um, so they had the honor of this Grammy winner division being named after them. 
The Legacy Division is full of Grammy nominees, and that is because uh, Legacy has been nominated for the most best R&B album Grammys without winning one. So, you know, it's the whole always a bridesmaid, never a bride situation. Um, she's been nominated for four best R&B album Grammys, and she hasn't won one yet. Although I will say she did win her first Grammy. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's her first Grammy period, but she did win a Grammy at the Grammys uh, last weekend for best traditional R&B performance. So shout out to Lettucey. Um They're not honoring you in the best R&B album category, but, you know. You're still getting getting that hardware. Truly wild. <laughs> yes. So she had the honor of this division being nominated after her. The Fan Love Conference. Um, similarly, all of the rankings were ranked by Metacritic fan score. So in Metacritic, you know, fans can just go in and like rank an album, give it a rating. And so once we had the 20 albums for that conference, I ranked them by the fan uh, Metacritic score. And that's how we got the rankings separated into two divisions, the Diary of Alicia Keys division and the Confessions division, simply just named after uh, Karen and I's uh, two of our favorite R&B albums. Um, I believe she chose Confessions and I chose the Diary of Alicia Keys. But to be honest, I both of these are two of my favorite R&B albums. I think Karen would agree yeah, as well. Absolutely. So... Um, those are the conferences and the divisions. I will talk about the criteria. Uh, each matchup will play five games and it's the best of five series. So the first one to win three of those five games will advance. I mean, each game corresponds to a category. The first one is success. This is based solely off of units sold. Um, you know, I've, you've heard on this podcast, album sales are impossible to find it's a it's a heavily guarded thing that you, you kind of need to just like work at a label to even access that sort of information. So the way we're judging success is by units sold. And even that information is only available on like the album's Wikipedia page or if an article happened to comment on how many albums, uh, how many units an album sold. So uh, that data was collected as best as possible, um, and sometimes it had to be taken from if an album was certified platinum or gold, then you kind of have a benchmark of, okay, they sold at least a million, they sold at least 500000 for gold. Um, so that's the first one. Uh, achievements. This is based on Grammys nominated and won, Billboard success as far as on the charts, and then uh, records broken or any other achievements. Um, the third category is quality, which album do we think is just better from a quality standpoint? Then there's cohesion, which album flowed the best, which one was the most consistent across. And then finally, legacy, which album has the, the most important legacy, the strongest legacy. If the album is new, which one had the, the strongest impact, which one is on its way to having the bigger legacy. And then in case there's a tiebreaker, best song we will have a consensus on which song on the um on each album is the best and then we will decide which one is better um so you know we're not going to agree on every category and that is why um we have this tiebreaker in place so i think that is i think that is everything do you think that i should you know read through um, you know, the, the seeds and the rankings and the seeds in each division, or should we just jump into the playing games? 
just in case they don't have the, the bracket, or what do you think? I think we should just jump into the play-in games. That was a lot of information. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. All right, so we're going to start in the Critics' Choice Division or Conference, and we're going to go um, in the Boys to Men Division. So these are all Grammy winners. Um, the first play-in game is the number nine seed, Her, versus the 10 seed, Layla Hathaway Live. Her was released by her on October 20th, 2017. Uh, Layla Hathaway Live released by Layla Hathaway on October 30th, 2015. So about a two-year difference between these albums. Let's jump right into success. Her has sold at least 1 million units, while Layla Hathaway Live has sold at least 15,000 units. So right off the bat, Her blows out Layla Hathaway Live and takes a 1-0 lead. Let's jump into achievements. Let's start with Grammys. Both of these albums have won the same amount of Grammys. They both... Um, have won her best R&B album and Layla Hathaway best R&B album. But her was nominated for a few more Grammys. Um, She was nominated for two album Grammys and two song Grammys. She took home one of each. Um, Layla Hathaway was nominated for one album and one song Grammy and won both. Um, But even though she's two for two and her is two for four, I think the fact that her was nominated for more Grammys and was nominated for album of the year at that kind of gives her the slight edge in the achievements so far. You agree? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Billboard. uh, Her has ranked higher on the Billboard charts. Um, This time around, I featured the Billboard 200 chart. The Billboard Top R&B chart, which is strictly just R&B albums, Billboard 200 is all albums of all genres. And then I featured the Billboard Top R&B Hip Hop chart, which is just R&B and hip hop albums. Um, Her ranks higher than Layla Hathaway um, on that as well. So I think her increases her lead. And then neither album has records or any other achievements, unless you want to consider the fact that Layla Hathaway won um, Best Traditional R&B performance three years in a row, um, ending with Layla Hathaway Live's Angel Grammy. But either way, I think her will take the achievements. Yeah, I agree. Just the longevity that she had on the Billboard charts as well just eclipses Layla Hathaway. Yeah, true. 151 weeks on the Billboard 200 and then 154 on the top R&B, which she made it to number one uh, in as well. So her uh, takes a 2-0 lead. So let's get into quality. Um, I thought this was a tough one. Um, These albums are so different, um, not only in the like the type of album they are, like a live album versus a, you know, like a, a regular recorded album, but also the tone and style Like, Layla's is more traditional. Her is more contemporary. Um, I think Layla Hathaway's album is incredible. She's one of the best vocalists I've ever heard, period. And she puts her own special spin on a lot of covers of R&B classics. And her original work is just as good. Um, Her is a great album. I don't think there's a bad song on the album. She's completely mastered the ballad. Like, that's really her lane. Um, The album is long. Um... And combining her two EPs into one album kind of created some songs that are 
you know, very similar on the same album. Um, so I was leaning Layla Hathaway live here. What were your thoughts quality wise? I was actually leaning in the other direction. Okay. I think for me, a live album is just never going to sound as polished as a finished product mm. as a studio produced album. With that being said, Layla Hathaway, her voice is stunning. Like True. the fact that she was able to get all of this from essentially one one recording and one live recording at that is a real achievement. Um, but again, just for that polish factor alone, uh, the way that the songs sound, uh, I my vote would be for her. Okay, okay. Um, I think I am seeing the writing on the wall here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mine at Layla Hathaway. Okay. So you have it. You have it 3-0 for her. You have her already taking the win. I have it 2-1. So let's just go to cohesion. Um, I have her here. Um, I think these albums are equally as cohesive, but I'm leaning her because the sound across the album is sonically cohesive. Mm. And, you know, she did take those two EPs and mash them together, but it's not like she just, you know, a lot of people who do that, take the first one and then put the second one right after it. But she actually reordered the tracks so that the flow of the album was different than when you had the individual EPs alone. Um, Like there was a rhyme and a reason to how she ordered the album. And for that reason, I think cohesion goes to her. I actually had it for Layla Hathaway. Oh, okay. I like this. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, I, I did appreciate, like you were saying that she didn't hurt, excuse me, this pronoun thing. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I know it's tough. I'm doing my best. That her uh, didn't just give us like a, a two disc situation and mash the two EPs together, but in my mind, you can't really get more cohesive than having performed all the songs in the same evening, mm, mm. actually live. Okay. Um, and I thought that some of the the work that Layla Hathaway did and bringing in her dad's songs and contrasting that with her own music. Um, was just really impressive. I thought you sort of took a journey across her concert. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Okay, so we both have uh, her winning this category three to one at this point. So her officially moves on. Um, I do want to just mention about Legacy. Um, I think this one was going to have to be Layla Hathaway Live. I think the fact that this was her first live album not only that, but she performed it in the same venue that her father, Donnie Hathaway, performed his live album in 1972. And she followed in her father's footsteps where she covered songs from artists she admired and then did some of her own music. She covered her father's, you know, songs in her album. Um, and, you know, her has continued to make music um, and, you know, become a bigger, bigger artist and this was kind of the the project that skyrocketed her, but I don't think it would have been enough to, you know, just outpace, you know, the story behind the legacy of this album. So it doesn't matter, though, because her moves on. So let's uh, go to the Legacy division. No, sorry. We're staying in the Boys to Men division. We have the seven and eight seeds, 24 Karat Magic uh, by Bruno Mars versus unapologetic by rihanna um 
24 Karat Magic was released November 18th, 2016. Unapologetic released November 19th, 2012. So released pretty much almost on the same day, four years apart. Um, the success category. Both of these albums uh, are three times platinum. So they've both sold at least three million records. But Unapologetic sold 7,000 more in the first week than Bruno Mars did. So um, I'm, I think that Unapologetic should take the 1-0 lead, but I'm also open to it being a tie because total, as far as what we have for the data, they sold the same amount. But if we want to consider units sold in the first week as a tiebreaker for that, then I'm open to that. But what, what are your thoughts? Why don't we consider uh, units sold in the first week as the tiebreaker, since we do have that data? Okay, so then Unapologetic, because it sold uh, 7,000 more in the first week than 24 Karat Magic, takes a 1-0 lead. Uh, achievements, both albums... Um, sorry, no. 24 Karat Magic won seven Grammys to Unapologetic's one Grammy. Not even close. Um, so 24 Karat Magic takes... You know, that's this is equivalent to them coming out in the first quarter and dropping 40 points on Unapologetic. Yeah, wow. Um, Achieve uh, Billboard. This one's kind of tough. Um, of the three charts that I have listed, Unapologetic, Unapologetic ranked higher as a whole. They reached number one on all three charts, whereas 24 Karat Magic reached number one on just two of the three charts. But 24 Karat Magic stayed on the charts for way longer than unapologetic the difference is you know 24 karat magic debuted at number two on the billboard 200 chart thanks to a metallica album um i personally think the staying power on the chart is more important so i think 24 karat magic should take that yeah i'm with you i feel like stickiness is a key thing when you're trying to determine like the importance of an album yeah Okay, so with that, uh, 24 Karat Magic uh, takes Grammys and Billboard, and Bruno also became the second artist to win Record of the Year and Song of the Year for two songs from the same album. Hmm. With this, so a clean sweep of the achievements category, it is now tied one-to-one. Quality. Uh, This is a tough one, and I'm probably going to need your help to steer me one way or the other. I think 24 Karat Magic is the better album, the better album as a whole. But Unapologetic, I think, has the better batch of, of great songs like Diamonds, Stay, Love Song, Love Without Tragedy, Get It Over With, Pour It Up. Like all of those, I think, are the better batch of songs. But if I'm looking album versus album, I think 24 Karat Magic is the better album. But like all of those songs are really like trying to pull me to the other direction. What are your thoughts? I hear you on the individual songs. However, mm-hmm. I I would agree with you. I think that 24 Karat Magic is a better fully realized project than Unapologetic is. Okay. So then 24 Karat Magic takes a two to one lead over Unapologetic as we go into the cohesion category. Um... 
24 Karat Magic is a no-skip album for me. Um, I think it's more sonically consistent than unapologetic. You know, Rihanna's bouncing around a bunch of different styles on that album. Her dabbling in EDM music doesn't really land the softest on the musical palette. Mm-hmm. I think 24 Karat Magic takes this one. Totally agree with you. Rihanna is all over the map. And while I fully expect that many of the songs from Unapologetic are still in play at like Soul Cycle, <laughs> um, for me, 24 Karat Magic takes it. Okay. Um, so with that, 24 Karat Magic uh, wins the series three to one. Personally, I think they would have won four to one if we had to go down to Legacy. I think unapologetic isn't even rihanna's best album although it does feature two songs that are in her 10 highest selling singles with stay and diamonds but 24 karat magic is bruno's best album uh it saw him leaning into his influences and inspirations the heaviest it showed the kind of thematic consistency he was capable of and i think this record was just more important to his legacy than unapologetic was to rihanna like there aren't that many artists who are taking new jack swing and funk and making modern sounding r&b albums out of them out of them so i think that his album was more important even to r&b for that reason yeah i would argue that there's only one artist doing (laughs) that particular combination well you know i didn't want to i didn't want to isolate any independent artists who may be taking that lane if you're out there and we don't know about you feel free to write in let us know what you're doing we would love to know but as far as what we know right now and also i just want to clarify i'm not trying to take anything away from rihanna she is fantastic I'm sure we're going to talk about more of her work down the line. But, we are. Um, Unapologetic is not my favorite project of hers. Yeah, um, and that is fair. I, I do have a great love for a lot of songs on that album, but the the album as a whole, as a package, and the cohesiveness, cohesiveness of it uh, is not that great. Um, you personally know how much I love Love Song oh, yes, with Future and Rihanna. Oh, great. Just great. Um, so 24 Karat Magic moves on, uh, with a three to one victory. So that wraps up the boys to men division. Uh, her in the nine seed will now be facing the number one seed in that division, uh, Black Messiah by D'Angelo. That's going to be a tough one. And then 24 Karat Magic, the seven seed will now move on to face Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. So... And, you know, that's what happens when you're in the playing games. you got to face a, a high seed um, in the next round. So we'll see if uh, the things that got them to win here can help them in the next round. Uh, let's jump to the Legacy Division. These are all Grammy nominees for the Best R&B Album or Best Progressive R&B Album. So first up is the 9 Seed, Blood by Leanne Le Havis versus the 10 Seed, Black Radio 2, by Robert Glasper. Um, Blood by Leanne Le Havis was released July 31st, 2015. Black Radio 2 by Robert Glasper was released October 29th, 2013. Um, I think these are actually two matchups um, that, you know, one that you chose and one that I chose. I think the Robert Glasper editions on the tournament were um, my picks. And I think Leanne Le Havis' blood definitely got here um, because of you for good reason. Um, so let's let's jump right into this one. Cool. Um, success. There were 
So this is a different one. So there were no known album sales for either album. But I did some further digging. And because Leanne LaHavis is an artist from the UK, she did have a certification um, on the UK charts. Um, you, you need to sell 60000 to get a silver certification on the UK charts. And she did have that. So I guess my question is, do we want to keep the success category um, rooted at the U.S. charts and sales in the U.S.? Or if they are a U.K. artist, should the U.K. sales count? Because then I guess it would be, you know, I don't know if that would be unfair to Robert Glasper if we count the U.K. sales or if because she, you know, charted on the U.K. first that we should count those. What do you think? I think it would be perhaps more unfair to her to not count what we know about her sales Mm -hmm. just because they weren't U.S. sales. Okay. So then in that case, uh, we'll give this category to her. So uh, Blood takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements, uh, Grammys. Both of these albums lost their one album nomination. Um, But Black Radio 2 did have a song nomination for Best Traditional R&B Performance for the song Jesus' Children. Jesus' Children, excuse me. Uh, Didn't win it, but I think that that song nomination gives it a slight edge. Uh, Billboard, Black Radio 2 also debuted much higher um, than Leanne LaHavis, although she did reach number two on the UK chart. Um, But I think just overall... Uh, the fact that Black Radio 2 reached two and three in the R&B and the R&B hip hop charts and then also charted higher on the main chart, I think gives it a further edge. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Uh, and then there were no notable records or achievements for either one. So Black Radio 2 ties it up one to one. Quality. I'm going to let you kick this one off. What do you think for the quality category? Hmm. think that Robert Glasper probably takes it quality wise for me. Okay. Um, only because I think what he's trying to do with this album is more impressive than what Leanne LaHavis has done. Leanne LaHavis's blood is a solo album. She doesn't even have any features. Um, she's sort of the centerpiece. Whereas Robert Glasper has put together a collage of legendary R&B musicians um, to create sort of an achievement of an album. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for ambition alone, I would give it to the Robert Glasper experiment. Okay, um, that is surprising. I actually had this one for Blood. Wow. Um, I think Blood is one of the most beautiful albums in contention for this title. Like just just sonically and, you know, the the vocals that Leanne LaHavis gives. It's just a really beautiful album. Um, she has an incredible voice and this album was her foray into a more neo soul jazz sound than her first project. And I think she accomplished that really well. Um, she always has a song on her albums that is just so intensely beautiful that it shocks me on her first album. It was no room for doubt. Um, and on this album, it was wonderful. That was the name of the song was wonderful. Um, and it is wonderful. And it is wonderful. Um, Black Radio 2, I, I do agree. It's star-studded, incredible instrumentation. Uh, Robert Glasper is one of the greatest musicians of our time. Um, and the performances were great, but I just thought that, you know, just the how beautiful Blood was, that it, it uh, 
took that one. So, you know, it's good to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Leon Mojavas is one of my favorite musicians. True. Um, and I've listened to this album so much that I didn't even have to listen to it again for this tournament. Like I could probably recite all the lyrics. Yep. Um, so I'm inclined to defer to you on <laughs> <to laughs> your choice. I just didn't want to let my fandom cloud my judgment in well, this matchup. That is okay. So that is exactly why I didn't do the same for Robert Glasper <laughs> because I knew how much you were caped in for blood. And I didn't want to do the same. So what we'll do is we'll just we'll leave it how we have it. Okay. Two one, uh, Robert Glasper for you. Two one, Blood for me. And I'm sure it'll shake out down the line. Yeah. Uh, cohesion. Uh, I also had this for Blood. Um, I think each song transitions so smoothly into the next one, sonically and stylistically. Um, Black radio, however, can kind of sound like a jam session at times, which is great. Like, I mean, I'm all for, I love jazz. I'm all for like a jam session type of album. Um, but I thought, uh, that, uh, blood was just more cohesive of a project. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think in terms of creating like an emotional landscape, Liam Mojavis does that with blood. Whereas, um, black radio is kind of all over the place by design. Yes. Okay, so I have, uh, wait, let me see. So you have uh, it tied two to two. I have it blood three to two. Mm-hmm. Wait, no. Sorry, three to one. Three to one. Um, so Legacy, what do you think about Legacy between these two albums? Um, to be honest, I was kind of... Uh, unsure here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that either one of these has a substantial legacy. Yeah. Um, neither one of these artists is super well known as far as like mainstream um, legacy. Um, I think uh, as far as like the people who actually make music in R&B, people know who Robert Glasper is. He's featured all over the place. He's done a lot of work on To Pimp a Butterfly. Like, he is one of the artists that people, like, call on in the industry when they want, you know, you know the type of music that he makes. And I think Leanne Le Havis is, um, you know, she's on her way up. I think in the UK, she's probably huge. Um, in the US, I don't think she's crossed over um, you know, as much. Um, I gave this to Leanne Lahavis strictly because I think this is her best album up to this point. Um, not so, I, you know, up to this, the point when this album came out, it was her best of the ones that she had put out. Um, and the fact that she was able to change her sound to more of a, that neo soul jazz vibe, I think was more important to her career. Um, than the fact that Robert Glasper was able to run back another great jazzy album. Like, this is Black Radio 2, so what he had done on this album, he had also already done before, and I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is better than the first edition of that, so I think Legacy goes to Leanne. Yeah. Do you agree? I'm inclined to agree, yeah. Okay, so I have uh, Blood winning 4-1, to you have it winning 3-2, to so Blood by Leanne LeHavis officially moves on. I know you're very happy about that. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's jump to the seven and eight matchup. We have Anti by Rihanna versus LMA by LMA. Um, Anti was released January 28th, 2016. LMA was released October 12th, 2018. Success. Anti 
sold uh, at least 3 million units. It is three times platinum. LMA has sold at least 1 million. So Anti takes a 1-0 lead. Achievements. Uh, Anti was 0-4 at the Grammys. Um, One Grammy album nomination and three song nominations, but lost all of them. LMA was two of three. She won Best R&B Album and then... Um, won one of the two Grammy song nominations that she was nominated for. Um, Ella May is a as a special case because this is the Grammy nominees category, but she snuck in here with a Grammy win. Mm. So because she wasn't high enough to make the Grammy winners division, she got you know lumped in with all of the other nominees when we decided who would be in this uh, division, and so you know that. That Grammy win could take her far, um, or it could take her right here. Let's see. <laughs> um, so I think she takes a slight lead with the fact that she's two of three and Rihanna was 0 of four. Sure. Um, Billboard, uh, obviously Anti was a smash on the Billboard charts. Reached number one on all three charts and was on the Billboard 200 chart for 241 weeks. That's insanity. Um, so Anti kind of makes it a little more even. And then when we go into records and achievements, Anti became the longest charting album by a black female in Billboard history. Rihanna was the most streamed female artist of 2016 behind this album. And this was her second album to have a song and album at the top of the Billboard 200 and Hot 100 charts. So I think that combined with the Billboard uh, gives her a 2-0 lead. Yeah. So achievements and success go to Anti. It's not looking good for LMA. It, sadly, it's not. It's not. I um I posted on Instagram that I was really, really rooting for LMA. Not rooting against Anti, but just rooting for LMA because, folks, LMA's debut album is incredible. Like, you know, you think about Boot Up. Everybody knows Boot Up. And even Trip, which, you know, became a, a great single toward the end there. But the whole album is super consistent um she sounds great she's able to to mix different styles you know i'm i'm you know doing my pitch here because i think i see the writing on the wall (laughs) Um, but just a great album let's let's get into quality um this was a tough decision so like i said i I think lma's album is one of the best r&b albums we've gotten in the last five years she's got some crazy hits on it uh she kind of bodied a pop r&b style that artists like Carrie Hilson were putting out like there were some songs on there like even like some of her hits like Boot Up and Trip the style of those songs was like what the pop R&B female artists were doing in like the 2000 or like the the late 2000s early 2010s and she just sounds even better than them it's fresh it's modern she's got an incredible voice the album's underrated but anti <laughs> what can you say Anti is a phenomenal album. I think it is easy to say that it is Rihanna's best album. Yes. Um, It is the most, and this is important, especially for this tournament, Anti is the most R&B project that I think Rihanna has put out. You know, they're, you know, unapologetic, you know, which just got eliminated last round. Uh, I I think can be considered an R&B album, but it can also be considered a pop album. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think anti, I don't even know if there's a question. Like, I think it's it's just very R&B. She really leaned into, leaned into that. Her vocals are insane. The production is tight. I think Close to You and Love on the Brain are two of the most beautiful songs Rihanna has ever made. Um, I think anti takes quality. You agree? Yeah, I do. So a 3-0 um, victory for anti um legacy i think would have been anti as well especially because the hype for rihanna's ninth album would not be as crazed as it is now if not for the wonderful project we got with anti so anti moves on i just want to add there that in addition to the hype about her next album i think that since rihanna disappeared from the music landscape R&B artists have essentially been ripping off of Anti, mm. or riffing off of Anti, that is. Yes. Uh, sort of picking up on more of that, like, grunginess. And even some of the, like, letting go of the, like, soft R&B woman singer archetype and, like, just being kind of savage. Mm. Yes. Um, I think Rihanna set a standard, and then everybody's tr- been trying to live up to it ever since. And you know what? You saying that, that's an even bigger point for Legacy because, you know, the whole Rihanna moving into that Savage lane, you could say that started her whole brand. Like, uh-huh. Savage Fenty and all of that is, that's that's her that's her right now. That's all she's doing. She's doing everything but music because she's <laughs> savage, you know? I'm sorry. I got, and I I've, got a little work I've up. bought it all. Uh, yes, so I'll just yes. keep buying the lipsticks uh, <laughs> until she decides to make some more music. Um, so shout out to Anti by Rihanna. Um, so that wraps up the Lettucey division. Um, in the first round, we will have Blood by Leanne Lahavis facing off against Control by SZA. And we will have Anti by Rihanna facing off against Self-Titled by Beyonce. Ooh. That is going to be a crazy matchup. Oh, man. Um, so that wraps up the Critics' Choice division, uh, or Critics' Choice conference. I'll be right back with the Fan Love Conference after a short break. Once again, this episode is presented by Away Travel. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful, with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices, and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. Lock in your best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash away. Away travel. Here to make your journey seamless. Let's get back into the show. All right. Welcome back. It is now time uh, to decide the winners of the playing games for the Fan Love Conference. We're going to start in the Diary of Alicia Keys division. The number nine seed, War and Leisure by Miguel, going up against the 10 seed, Chasing Summer by Sir. War and Leisure was released December 1st, 2017. Chasing Summer released August 30th, 2019. The success category. War and Leisure has sold at least 500,000 units. Chasing Summer's sales are unknown. Don't think there were enough um, for... For it to really count or for it to be, have been noted anywhere. So Warren Leisure takes a 1-0 lead. Uh, I do also want to say um, <laughs> Warren Leisure is the third Miguel album 
in this tournament. So, you know, we were talking about sleepers earlier. Like, just the fact that Miguel has three chances to yeah. win to win is big. Um, I think Beyonce also has three. Um, but, yeah, I think Beyonce and Miguel have the most contenders in the tournament. So, um, let's see if we can pull out a win. Achievements. Um, no Grammys for Chasing Summer. Uh, but there were two nominations for War and Leisure, no wins. Um, so I think War and Leisure takes a little lead because of the nominations. Uh, Billboard, War and Leisure ranked higher on the charts. Um, so it takes a bigger lead and then no records or other achievements for either album. So War and Leisure takes a 2-0 lead over Chasing Summer. Quality. Um, I feel like both of these albums exist in the same subgenres of R&B. Um, their styles are very similar, um, and I think the albums are just as good as one another. Um, I think I just like Chasing Summer better. I come back to this album more than I come back to War and Leisure, mainly because I like Miguel's other albums more than War and Leisure. Um, so my vote for quality goes to Chasing Summer. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that of the Miguel albums that we're listening to for the tournament, there's a reason that this one is in the play-in round. Correct. Um, so for that reason, I would also go for Chasing Summer. Okay, so it is two to one, uh, War and Leisure, Cohesion. Um, chasing Summer's overall theme uh, was about freedom, like chasing the freedom and the feeling of summer, like for students, that's summer break, for adults, that's vacations. Um, and living life with that type of freedom that summer brings. And I think that the vibe that Sir delivered on this album is exactly that. It never raises above the smooth undertones um, of the projections, and each song is stylistically complementary. Um, I think War and Leisure has a few bumps when you consider the vibe and the flow. So I think that Chasing Summer was also the more cohesive album. Yeah, I agree. Chasing Summer is romantic and laid back. Uh, and to my mind, uh, War and Leisure can get a little one note at times. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Although there are some, um, definitely some good, some good times. There's a, I didn't realize this probably when I first listened to it, but when I re-listened for this tournament, he has a song on there with Cali Yukis that's completely in Spanish. And I was like, I don't remember this song. This is really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, so it comes down to Legacy. It is now tied two to two. War and Leisure versus Chasing Summer. This one was tough for me. On one hand, I think this is Sir's best album. It was even more focused than his wonderful November album uh, from a year and a half prior. He's two for two on the albums he's released with TDE. Um, he's one of the more promising artists in the game. Chasing Summer showed that he was consistently good. On the other hand, Miguel has 11 songs that are certified. So like they went gold or platinum things like that two of them are from this album with skywalker being his second uh most successful song uh i just don't know if many people think of this album when mentioning miguel's career so when you think of the legacy of of miguel's career people are going to go to kaleidoscope dream um if they liked a more experimental miguel they're going to go to wild heart I just don't know if this album means more to Miguel's career than Chasing Summer does to Sir's. I would say that it definitely doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that Chasing Summer definitely lifted Sir more into the conversation than 
the bump that Warren Leisure gave Miguel. Yeah. Despite the fact that Skywalker is an excellent song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, wow, I love to see it. You know, this was a thing in the, the hip-hop tournament. The more popular albums or the albums by the more popular artists can get those first two categories, 2-0, and it can look real dicey for the other album. But if the other album is better, it's typically going to win cohesion and quality and legacy and that happened here so chasing summer comes back from a 2-0 deficit to win three to two so let's jump to the seven versus eight seed the seven seed saturn by neo versus four by beyonce uh saturn was released october 26 2018 four was released june 24th 2011 um let's jump right in success I mean, this one's, I think, pretty obvious. Uh, Saturn's sales were unknown. Four has sold at least 1.5 million units. It's got a platinum certification. Uh, It takes a 1-0 lead. Although I will say, in my head, I think four was considered to be greater than the numbers actually say that it is. When I was looking into, like, billboard stuff and... um, you know, sales and stuff like that. I was like, huh, people didn't actually like this album as much as I thought they did. Like, you consider the fact that four is here in the eight seed. Yeah. This is the fan love conference. So the reason it's in the eight seed is because its Metacritic fan score was that much lower than all those other albums. Like, four was not as well received as, you know, uh, Beyonce or the self-titled album or Lemonade, which are in high seeds in the Critics' Choice Conference. I, mean, I think that that speaks to the fact that this is a transition album. Yes. Uh, this is the the inflection point between the Beyonce, the mature Beyonce that we have today, and the more like Matthew Knowles-influenced Beyonce that we got at the beginning of her solo run. So mm-hmm. I, that makes sense to me, um, even though this album has a special place in my heart. Mine too. Mine too. I think this was the this was the first complete album uh where I like really was like, okay, I think I'm I'm about Beyonce and I'm probably gonna listen to every album she ever puts out. Uh I am Sasha Fierce. There were like song I listened to that whole album a few times and there are songs on there for sure where it's like, oh she's got it. But like four was the first complete project where I was like, ooh, she's got something. This is this is different. Um, so let's jump into achievements. Grammys, Saturn received an album nomination, but didn't win. Four won a song Grammy. So I'm a little undecided here because this is about the albums. So Saturn got an album nomination, but it didn't win it. But Beyonce won her song nomination for Love on Top. So what do you think? I feel like we got to go with the win. With the win. That's what I thought. Okay, so... Four has a slight lead. Um, there was no Billboard success for Saturn, um, although it did reach number 56 on the UK chart, even though it only spent one week there. Four did pretty well, uh, reached number one on a couple of the charts. Uh, so I think Four continues the lead. And then Records and Achievements. Uh, this album made Beyonce the second female artist in the third artist period to have her first four studio albums debut at number one on the Billboard 200. And I will give you a sneak peek. She continues that with her next two (laughs) albums. So I think she has that record. Um, So four takes a 2-0 lead. Quality. 
Um, I'll let you take this one. Which one? Which one is the better quality album? Come on, <laughs> this isn't fair to nail. It's not. It's not. Uh, but four, I believe, is the more polished project. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Nao like really threads that astrology theme throughout the entire album without being corny at all, which in this particular decade is difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't... The, the star power on Beyonce's album alone, I think, takes it for me. The star power and, like, Beyonce's vocals on this album are incredibly strong. Like, start over... I care, like, just she's she's really singing in a way that, you know, she, with, like, she's singing with, like, a power that she wasn't really doing on, like, her her previous album. She she sung really well on different parts of I Am Sasha Fierce, like Halo and, like, Ave Maria, but, like, there was, like, a power behind her voice in this album that, like, just really set her apart. Um, I will say Saturn is an incredible album. Nao has a great voice as well. Killer range. If I would, I would ask all of you to look up Nao's NAO, her Tiny Desk performance, because the range that she shows um, from being able to go to that high falsetto to like a really deep voice, it's crazy. Um, and this album is so subtly great compared to her debut album. But Four is phenomenal, and so. It takes the win here, three to zero. Um, I do want to say one thing about Legacy. Uh, I think it would have gone to four as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, strictly because of the 12 songs on the standard edition um, of four, half of them, so like six of them, are songs that Beyonce is absolutely going to perform at concerts to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not her best album, and the songs aren't her best commercially, but I think these songs are some of her most important songs, like the impact of Run the World. Everyone remembers the pregnancy announcement when she was performing Love on Top. The timelessness of party at any function, the choreography of Countdown. Um, it's the last album of hers, possibly ever, to have a release date. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even imagine Beyonce giving us a release date for any album until no. she retires? Mm-mm. I don't, yeah, exactly. So the legacy for this is outmatched. So four wins, uh, three to zero. Um, and that is it for the Diary of Alicia Keys division. Warren Lee, or sorry, Chasing Summer by Sir will go on to face Trilogy by The Weeknd. And Four by Beyonce will go on to, ooh, to face uh, The Electric Lady by Janelle Monet. So that's also mm-hmm. another good one. Yeah. These are the matchups I like to see. Beyonce versus Janelle Monet in one. And then we got, we're going to have Beyonce versus Rihanna on the other side uh, as well next week. Uh, so let's jump into the final division of the episode, the Confessions division. Let's talk about the 9 versus 10 matchup. Painted by Lucky Day versus To Myself by Baby Rose. Painted was released May 24th, 2019. To Myself was released August 22nd, 2019. Um, so about, I think... Four months in between these projects. Um, success. There were no known album sales for either album. Um, you know, it, this is, you know, these are 2019 albums. So when streaming took over, it's it's really tough to get album sales. One, if you're like 
up and coming artists like Baby Rose and Lucky Day are here, um, as well as the fact that, you know, physical records aren't selling and they're doing these conversion from streams to record sales. It's going to be harder to get streams as these independent artists, you know, nowadays. So I think that shows here. So tied going into the, the second matchup achievements. No Grammy nominations for Two Myself, but Painted is 0 for 4 in Grammy nominations. Three Grammy song nominations and one album nomination. Didn't win any, but the nominations, I think, give it the lead here. Uh, no Billboard success for either album and no records or other achievements for either album. So I think Lucky Days Painted takes a 1 to 0 to 1 lead strictly off the fact that it had those four nominations. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Okay. So let's go on to Quality. Um, this was tough. Lucky Day is an incredible artist. Painted is very good. But for me, what Baby Rose did at 25 years old on her debut album is incredible. Her voice, I've talked about this on the podcast, is so unique. And the songwriting is so impressive. Um, This album had me locked in every single song to see what more she could do. Um, there are some incredible ballads on this album, and for me, it was the better album. What were your thoughts? I agree, and it's it's interesting to me how different these albums are, even in the same sort of contemporary R&B lane. Mm-hmm. Baby Rose's album is so minimal and spare, and she really just gives you like her voice and the message, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Lucky Day album, personally, True. but... In terms of, like, a no-skip project, To Myself Wins. Okay. I'm with you. So, uh, it is now one-to-one-to-one, tied up completely. Uh, Cohesion, what are your thoughts? What's the more cohesive album? Hmm. I I think Baby Rose. Um, The tone of most of her songs is pretty consistent. Um... She's generally talking about love. Mm-hmm. Um, Painted, I think, just by virtue of being a longer album, has more opportunities to meander. Yes. But they're both pretty cohesive. I would give the slight edge to To Myself, though. Okay. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. I was, I was, it was very tough for me. I was willing to concede to whatever you had, but I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So To Myself takes a two-to-one-to-one one lead going into the final match of Legacy. Um, I think it's a little too early to discuss any sort of legacy for To Myself uh, because it just came out like two years ago and its impact wasn't groundbreaking. Um, These were both debut albums released three months apart and Lucky Day got four Grammy nominations from it. So, you know, as a writer, Lucky Day, who had written for some legends before he started his solo career, I think the fact that his debut was that successful points to the stronger legacy. Like, Baby Rose is, is you know, new to the game. This is a great debut album, but, you know, who's who knows what's to come? But Lucky Day's transition from a songwriter to an artist getting four Grammy nominations on that debut project, I think, points to a stronger legacy as of today, you know, two years out of both of these albums. Yeah, I agree. I think that Lucky Day has the songwriting chops and the vocal talent to become a huge R&B star. And I think his sound hits sort of straight down the line of like R&B 
affinities or like mm-hmm. what 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 R&B listeners like. Yeah. Whereas I think Baby Rose might be a little bit more niche. Yeah, that's fair. Yes. Okay. So I think we're going to have our first tiebreaker of the tournament. It is tied 2 to 2 to 1. So we're going to go into a tiebreaker, the best song from each album. Mm-hmm. Uh can we agree that Roll Some Mo is the best song on Painted? I am open obviously to to other to other options. I would I would just put a vote out there for misunderstood. Okay. Um do you does that song like stand out for you in your memory of the album? Uh yeah, I remember it. It is very good. I just I, I think so outside of the success of Rosamo, it is um it is also just a really good song and I love that it starts the album but I'm willing to concede misunderstood to you if if we want to say that's the best song it is a beautiful song I agree and I think it is more uh I think it's a better match for anything on Baby Rose's album Mm, okay let's let's do that let's make this a little interesting misunderstood (laughs) yeah okay not compare apples and oranges if we can help it yeah okay listeners so misunderstood by lucky day go listen to it and then tune back into this conversation it's beautiful um for uh to myself i was torn between all to myself and over what are your thoughts do you remember both songs i don't remember over and all to myself was on my list of best songs okay i'm going to read you the lyrics to over and that should um oh it's the one that's like make me feel like this like feel like this feel like this feel like the only one standing alone that one Mm. yeah so that one and all to myself i'm leaning towards over i really love over um i think the the things that she does with her voice run wise and and the different she just she just hits some really cool notes in that one um, and the structure of the song is so beautiful that I was leaning towards that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Okay. So Over by Baby Rose versus Misunderstood by Lucky Day. We both had the opportunity to listen to both of these songs just now. So they're fresh. Misunderstood by Lucky Day versus Over by Baby Rose. What are your thoughts? I didn't realize going into that listening session how similar both of those songs were. Both have sort of a confessional vibe to them. Mm -hmm. They're both pretty piano-driven, although Misunderstood is sort of a straightforward piano sound. While they made this, like, antique effect uh, on the the piano in uh, Over, Mm -hmm. Um, I gave it sort of a haunted vibe. Yeah. Um, I, my vote is for Misunderstood. At the the clarity of that piano, uh, the jazziness of the instrumentation throughout the entire track, I think is really beautiful. Um, I can see it being used very easily in a movie or TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's. I'll stop there. What do you think? Okay. Um, I'm also going to give it to Misunderstood. Um, I that's probably my favorite Baby Rose song. But mm-hmm. listening to Misunderstood just now. I think Lucky Day is, is you know, he went to school um, in Frank Ocean University. Yeah. I think uh, 
Misunderstood is one of the songs that shows that the clearest. Um, the structure of the song, the way he kind of like talk sings at you at the end of it. Like he's, he's singing very like serenely, but then he kind of, he's just like talking to you, but there's like melody in it. And, and Frank does that a lot. Um, and there are also other parts of, of the painted album that remind me of Frank Ocean. Um, oh yeah. I think that maybe Lucky Day is what I thought Frank Ocean's <laughs> career was going to be when I heard Swim Good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just been more of a recluse than we than we thought. Um, so yeah, Miss Misunderstood is a great song, and to be you know to be compared to Frank Ocean, I don't I don't take that lightly. Like oh. I think Frank Ocean is incredible. Uh, two of his albums, um, I guess both of his albums yeah. since Swim, I think uh, uh, Nostalgia Ultra was more of a mixtape. Uh, are featured in this tournament. So, you know, I don't take that lightly. I think Misunderstood is great. Baby Rose should not take this loss lightly because the fact that I went to a tiebreaker meant that it was that close. Um, and this is her debut album. Um, you know, she she will have incredible albums that will be discussed on this podcast in the future. Um, but yeah, I do think Misunderstood is better. So Lucky Day's Painted album takes the win three to two to one yeah tough matchup and unquestionably two of my favorite albums of 2019 yeah um so let's go into the final play-in game of the episode the seven seed legacy legacy by jamila woods and the eight seed we are king by king um legacy legacy was released may 10th 2019 we are king released february 5th 2016 Success, no known album sales for either album. Both of these artists are, you know, not really in the mainstream at all. We Are King is a debut album for King. Jamila Woods, honestly, I don't even know if she's really broken out of, like, the Chicago scene. Like, maybe a little bit, because, you know, she's been at a lot of festivals and she performs a lot. But as far as, like, having songs that, like, people not from Chicago would... No, I don't know if if that exists. So no known album sales for both. So we're tied. Achievements, no Grammy nominations for Legacy, but We Are King received a nomination for Best Progressive R&B Album. It takes the lead. No Billboard success for Legacy, but We Are King takes an even bigger lead, um, charting on all three charts for one week. Um... And as far as records, We Are King was the first, or King, they were the first independent artist to be nominated in the Best Progressive R&B Album category. So We Are King takes a 1-0 to to 1 lead. Quality. Uh, This is a tough question because I think these are both very good albums. I think the way Jamila balances so many different styles on Legacy Legacy and shows off her versatility gives it a slight edge. Um... I did think her concept, you know, the concept of Legacy Legacy was each song was named after a, um, an artist that she admired and the song was inspired by an artist that she admired. And I just thought that concept could have been executed a little better. I still love it, but I think it's a little unclear sometimes how each song relates to, to the, the artist that it was inspired by. And, you know, I don't think it needed to be like, this song, like she needs to explicitly say it in the song, but I think that 
it sometimes it was just unclear of that and so i thought the concept you know wasn't executed as as much as i would have thought but i'm still giving it the quality yeah uh thing here your thoughts i think it i'm i'm frankly stunned at the <laughs> at the <laughs> achievement numbers and like the the way that this is balancing out so far but uh i agree the legacy legacy wins on quality i think that I also disagree with you when it comes to the execution of the concept. Um, I felt the same way on my first and second listens, but I think what we have on our hands here is a beautifully researched and subtle and respectful tribute to artists who, many of whom don't really get this kind of treatment in contemporary Mm -hmm. art. Um, And I say that because as I've learned more about some of these people over the years, the songs have started to make more sense. Mm. (laughs) So I think uh, even though like she didn't necessarily say like this song is called Zora because X, Y, or Z, like... I mean, but that's what I'm saying. That's not what I was expecting. I just, you know, you expect some sort of like acknowledgement, subtle or otherwise as to... You know, like, you know, I don't I don't really want to listen to an album where, like, after I've listened to it, I feel like I need to go and, like, do research. That's so fair. You know, so but at the same time, it's a it's a great album. And I do think she still executed the concept well, just like not as well as I would have hoped. So I think it's. It's been like a sleeper delight of an album for me only because Mm -hmm. every time I come back to it, I discover something new. Like the fact that Frida Kahlo and her husband lived in separate homes united by a bridge. Mm. And that's what that entire song is about. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I think it is now tied one to one to one. Uh, cohesion I think I also gave this to legacy um, a little flawed but still a very good um, concept whereas we are king um, it was still cohesive but um, it didn't flow as well as this did so yeah I gave it to legacy I agree I think that the production did uh, we are king a disservice on this album. You didn't like the production. I was not a fan of huh. the production. Um, I think that they were maybe going for kind of a early two thousands nostalgic vibe with some of the like sound effects that they chose mm-hmm. to incorporate in songs across the album. That the overall effect for me was that the album just gets kind of washed out. It all mm-hmm. sounds way too similar. So maybe That's it's real. too cohesive, and for that reason, it loses for me. <laughs> okay. So we have Legacy Legacy, uh, two to one to one, going into the final Legacy category. Um, what do you think, Legacy-wise? Uh, well, I mean, this one is a little unfair with the, with the title of the album. Hmm. <laughs> How so? It's got exclamation points in the word legacy. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I, I think I agree with what you said at the top of the segment. I don't know that Jamila Woods's reach is very large outside of Chicago. Um, but I don't think that We Are King have a very large reach either. Um, and their debut project didn't do a whole lot to expand that reach. Um, even, well... 
But they did get the Grammy nomination. Mm-hmm. First independent artist to do so. Yeah. Okay. In that category. Well, maybe I'm torn. What do you think? Um, I think it's We Are King. Um, strictly, like I mentioned, I think both of these albums are ones that not a lot of people know about. Yeah. But with the the information that I've obtained that, you know, K- King was a three-person group, uh, two twin sisters and one of their friends. The friend has now left the group. So We Are King, I believe, is now their new name. And I believe it's just the two of them. So with that information, I think it makes this legacy a little stronger because this is the their debut album, the one that had you know all three of these artists. Um, they're now prepping their first release as a duo, so the pressure is kind of on to you know outdo what they did with you know their their friend on the project. I think if you also add in the fact that their song "Hey" was sampled in Kendrick Lamar's Chapter Six song from section 80 which was a standout song on there um that adds to the legacy as well because of you know how something from this album will live on in another incredible project so i think that you know gives it the the edge over legacy legacy yeah i i agree with you there i think if anything legacy legacy is more uh influential to the legacies of these artists than it is for jamila woods Okay. All right. So then we have another tie. <laughs> Back-to-back ties. Oh, two to two to one going into the best song tiebreaker. Uh, for Legacy Legacy, I have Baldwin. I do too. Okay. For uh, We Are King, I'm torn between Hey or Supernatural. So Hey is the one that samples that is sampled in the Kendrick Lamar song. Supernatural is a different song. That's also very good. I had Hey. Okay. Hey versus Baldwin. Um, I don't even need to listen to them. Do Would you like to listen to both of them? No. Okay. I think it's Baldwin. Um, I think the social commentary in this song, coupled with an incredible chorus and bridge, um, and, and even the way that it connects to James Baldwin's legacy, um, I think just makes it a very well-written and well-performed song. Hey is beautiful. Um, and it, it will forever be in my mind because of its connection to that Kendrick Lamar song, but I think Baldwin's legacy, no pun intended, is just stronger. So that is my thoughts. What are you about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Baldwin is probably the best example of the concept that Jamila Woods was executing on that song, on that album, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and while Hey, again, is, is very beautiful, um, I, I think I'd give Baldwin the edge. Okay, so Legacy Legacy wins three to two to one. Um, it is in the tournament. The the 30, um, 32 albums that will compete for the title are locked up. I'm going to go through them all now. On the Critics' Choice Conference in the Boys to Men division, we have the one seed, Black Messiah by D'Angelo and the Vanguard facing off against... The Nine Seed, Her by Her. We've got the uh, Four Seed, Wake Up by John Legend and the Roots facing off against the Five Seed, Beauty Behind the Madness by The Weeknd. We've got the Two Seed, Lemonade by Beyonce facing off against the Seven Seed, um, Black Radio by Robert Glasper. And we've got the 
three seed Channel Orange by Frank Ocean, facing off against the seven seed 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. In the Legacy Division, Grammy nominees, we've got the one seed SZA or Control by SZA facing off against the nine seed Blood by Leon Lahavis. We've got the four seed Ego Death by The Internet facing off against the five seed Freudian by Daniel Caesar. That's going to be an incredible matchup. We've got uh, two Malibu versus, or or sorry, not two, three Malibu by Anderson Pac facing off against uh, seven Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino. And we've got the two seed self-titled by Beyonce facing off against the nine seed Anti by Rihanna. Over in the Fan Love Conference, the Diary of Alicia Keys division, the one seed trilogy by The Weeknd facing off against the 10 seeds Chasing Summer by Sir, uh, the four seed uh, Sweet Sexy Savage by Kalani facing off against the five seed Shea Butter Baby by Ari Lennox, the three seed Reality Show by Jasmine Sullivan facing off against the six seed um, a Seat at the Table by Solange, and then the two-seed Electric Lady by Janelle Monet facing off against the 10-seed Four by Beyonce. Uh, and then finally, in the Confessions division, we've got the one-seed Blonde by Frank Ocean facing off against... Oh, wow, that's fitting. The <laughs> one-seed Blonde by Frank Ocean facing off against the nine-seed Painted by Lucky Day uh, mentor versus mentee. Although, I mean, not personally, but right. uh, spiritually. Um, the four seed uh, dirty computer facing off against, or by Janelle Monet facing off against the five seed Wild Heart by Miguel. The three seed the twenty twenty experience by Justin Timberlake facing off against the six seed uh, Fiend by Sid. And finally, the two seed Kaleidoscope Dream by Miguel facing off against. The Nine Seed Legacy Legacy by Jamila Woods. That is officially the first round of the tournament. Shout out to all of the uh, the eight albums that, you know, were eligible, but were eliminated in the playing games. They are all incredible albums. I encourage you all to take a listen to them. There's a reason why they were included. Um, shout out to Karen um, for, you know, helping me eliminate eight albums. We, <laughs> we did it. Um, so next week... Uh, kicks off the first round. We are going to strictly be talking about the Critics' Choice Conference. Um, 16 matchups across the Boys to Men, or sorry, 16 albums across the Boys to Men and the Legacy Divisions. Uh, 16 will become 8. We will decide which 8 albums will make their way to the Sweet 16. Um, So join us next week for that. Um, That is it for the episode. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend. Uh, You can find the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at T-O-T-B, the podcast. Go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com for the website. Make sure you sign up for the mailing list. Um, That is it for this week's episode. Uh, This is Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. Peace. Ever. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 